Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. My name is Jamie, and I am your host this week and every week. Today is episode number 40, and it is with my friend Shauna Nyquist. If this is your first time listening to the Happy Hour, I want to say welcome. Pull up a chair, whatever you're doing, doing your laundry, driving carpool, going for a workout. You're going to love it. And here's why you're going to love the happy hour because it is myself and another girlfriend chatting and you're going to feel as though you literally are at happy hour with some of your girlfriends. We talk about things that matter to women. We talk about things that are going in our, on our lives. We talk about what helps us be better moms, better wives, better friends. And that's why you're going to love it. Thank you so much for listening to the happy hour today. Today on the show, Shauna and I talk about all the books she's reading, which there's a lot. So you're going to need to head over to jamieivy.com to get all the links for those. We talk about her cooking club and her small group and how she has formed those and how those people have come into her life in that special way. We talk about how her family loves to travel and that that has been instilled in her since she was a young child. We also talk about how she balances motherhood and her career, her favorite items to have in the kitchen and what she's working on right now. There are so many wisdom nuggets that she leaves us with that I know you're going to enjoy it. Before we get with Shauna, I want to say thank you to people that have left comments over on iTunes. Montana Mom says this, I have enjoyed listening on these wonderful conversations with your great friends. My book list keeps growing and I'm inspired to do so many great things because of this podcast. I feel like I'm right in the middle of the conversations and sometimes find myself talking back to the podcast, answering the questions and chiming in. Thanks for being so real and fun, giving me something to look forward to a week while at work, driving or cleaning house. Montana Mom, thanks a bunch. That's really what the podcast is. Guys, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, head on over to iTunes. It's really easy. Just search in iTunes for Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey and it'll come up and you can hit subscribe. And then every time there's a new episode, you'll never miss it. It'll come right to your device. If you love the show, I'd love it if you'd leave a comment. It helps other women find the show as well, and we always want more women with us at the happy hour. So, guys, thanks for listening, and here is my chat with Shauna. Hey, Shauna. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's good to talk to you. Happy Monday. Thank you. You too. I'm so glad you're on the happy hour. Thank you. This is fun. Thanks for doing this. Yes, I'm so excited. I'll I'll tell you a little bit. Um, we I mean we we've met each other in person and, yes. and done some things together, but I will tell you this a little dorky. I have been so looking forward to having you on my show, like really excited. Thank you. This is fun. It's awesome. I texted Jen this morning and was like, Sean is coming on because she knows how much I love your writing. So I'm super excited. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Okay, so tell everyone that's listening a little bit about what you do. And, well, I've, I mean, we know you're a writer, but you do a lot. So what are some of the things that, that kind of 
describe Shauna? What, what would you say about that? Your little 30 second elevator pitch of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the mom of two boys, Henry and Mac. They're eight and three and uh, married to Aaron, who's a worship leader and a pianist and a pastor. And uh, we live outside Chicago. And I would say one funny or interesting thing about us is that um, we have people over just absolutely constantly. If you could see all the dirty dishes in my house, it would make you weep. So <laughs> um, we love that. But it, or, or, I mean, we, I literally like I'm, paper plates. I have to make something happen. Yeah. This is, that is one of the things that I always think about you is that you do, that is something that you value is having people over. Mm-hmm. Do you do all the cooking or is Aaron I, a cooker? Aaron's not. Uh, Aaron doesn't cook at all, um, but he does grill. Um, so that's great. Um, and he's really good at it. Um, but I love to cook. It's really, really fun for me. And Aaron's super low key about it. I could totally get takeout every single time if I wanted to. I just really enjoy it. Um, but sometimes, you know, so we had, um, you know, maybe 12 people over last night after church and it was a last minute thing. And we had like a little bit more of like a fancy dinner party Saturday night. And so it came up at the last minute and Aaron, it was kind of more his thing. And so one of the girls that he works with brought over snacks. So I popped some popcorn and warmed up some blueberry crisp. I mean, it is so low key. Yeah. So we do it a lot. And the way we do it a lot is by keeping it super simple. Okay. I mean, but you're saying super simple and some people are listening and are like, the only thing I can do, Shauna, is make like chicken and rice. That's it. Have you always loved cooking and has your entertaining changed in like years? Oh, totally. So no, um, I did not always know how to cook. I didn't grow up um, learning how to cook at all. My family's not super interested in food. I'm really the only one that cares about it. Um, but I always love to entertain. And so when I bought my first house, after college, we had people over absolutely all the time. And looking back on it, I served people frozen pizza and ice cream sundaes and didn't even think twice about it. I said, well, I don't know how to cook, but I'm not going to not have you over. Right. So, I mean, I, we or got takeout or I made like pasta with red sauce from a jar over and over and over again. And um, I just figured people, people would rather be in someone else's home than not, right? Like, yeah. We're all going to eat dinner. Let's not do it alone. And then it was when we moved to Grand Rapids. And Chicago has, like, such a big restaurant culture. Uh-huh. So usually, like, when you're celebrating stuff in Chicago, you rent a room at a restaurant or you rent out a bar or, you you know, even, like, baby showers and wedding showers and stuff. Very rarely is it, like, one woman doing – or one person doing all this cooking. But then I moved, we moved to Grand Rapids. And at that time then, there were not – now there are great restaurants. There, You know, it's like 12 years ago. There weren't a ton. That town has changed a lot. But there was this amazing culture of people cooking and gathering people in their homes. And I learned from my girlfriends there. Like they would have 12 people over and make homemade soup with vegetables they grew right. and, and homemade <laughs> bread. And it was like, I was like, what is happening right now? And so they they taught me and they kind of gave me a vision for how to do that stuff. And, and I love it. It's been really, really fun. Do you find that it is, see, we're the exact opposite at our house. My husband, Aaron, loves to cook. And so he cooks most of our meals. Um, but he finds it, this is what he's told me, it's kind of relaxing for him. Totally. It's super relaxing for me, especially, you know, my job is either typing or talking, uh-huh. you know, those are like the only two things I do for work. Um, and so there's something about cooking that's so physical and sense oriented. Yeah. You're, you're, you're chopping and, it, and it's, it, there's smells and sounds. And, and so I think it, it gets me out of typing, talking world into like 
fire, heat, knife, you know, I really, yeah. I enjoy how kind of elemental and tactile it is. Also, your brain can kind of wonder, I would imagine. Whereas totally. when you're typing or talking, your brain is pretty focused on what you're doing. Totally. Obviously. Yes. Very relaxing. Yeah. yeah. Do your, so I take it like it is at our house. Our kids will eat almost anything you put in front of them. Are your boys like that? You know, they're kind of hit or miss and they go through little phases. Um, Henry, our older one, you know, I tend to think of him as pretty picky. And then the other night he was like, you know what I love is sushi. So, but uh, someone told me once that, uh, and I really take this to heart, is that you can either push your kids to be extremely well behaved at the table or you can push them to eat things they don't like, but you can't always do the, both at the same time. Oh. And so they said, like, if you're eating out and you're, like, worried that they're in a grown-up restaurant and everybody hates you for bringing your little kids, let them eat whatever they want, but but help them to be quiet and, and respectful of where they are. Yeah. And then at home around your table is where you're like, no, you're going to sit here till you finish your broccoli, you yes, know? Right. So we try to do that. At home is where we push them to try things. And then when we're out, we're like, you know what? Whatever. That's so funny. My oldest is 11 and he was going to have like a little dad day the other day. And he's like, can we please go eat sushi? And that is always just makes me laugh too, that to hear like a kid love sushi, but it's great. Totally. Yeah. I love that. It makes it way more fun for us when we're trying to figure out where to go out to eat. But anyhow, you know what, Shauna, I actually ask a couple of people, since we're talking about dinner parties and stuff, I ask a couple of people what they would want to talk to you about. Mm -hmm. And some of them, most of them were about cooking. And so you can tell where people, they love to see what you're developing and you're cooking and all that kind of stuff. But one of them was about this concept of gathering people around your table. Now, do you have, I know you have a cooking club, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Do you have a supper club? Uh, we have a small group. So, okay. um, so cooking club is six women. We've been getting together for maybe almost six years. Um, and theoretically, like we get together once a month and whoever's hosting, generally whoever's hosting decides the theme for the night and cooks the main course. So we're doing, you know, Greek food at Amanda's and she'll make the, I don't know, falafel, you know, uh -huh. or not, I guess that's not Greek. Um, uh, but, uh, and then everybody else kind of fills in around it. So we don't cook together. We eat together the things that we've made okay. and we get together once a month, but they're my best girlfriends. So we're going to get together tomorrow night just for a play date and our kids are friends and they're very much like the day to day People in, in our life. Totally. Yeah. Just in and out of our house all the time, people. But the, formally, we get together once a month. But we see each other a lot besides that. And then we're part of this small group, and there are nine of us, four couples and one guy. Um, and we meet every Thursday night, and it's usually around our table. So With food and everything. Yep. I serve dinner. Yep. And I, I always do the main course. And then they fill in salad, bread, wine, dessert. And it's just, we just figured out during, you know, via email on right. a Monday morning, I'll send out an email and I say, how many places should I set this week? And I'm making tacos, so I need chips and who wants to bring dessert and whatever. And, and everyone it, just fills in the holes. Totally. And it's it's so great. And we have found for our little group that we do a really um, – the conversation feels really great and really rich when we stay at the table. But when we, like, make that formal move to the living room for, like – the quote unquote real part of the discussion, it right. just like totally falls apart. All of a sudden it's like we're staring at each other like strangers. Right. And so we've decided we just stay at the table. That's our thing. We I love that. It for us, it works better for us. I feel like there's just something about sharing a meal together. And you know, we see it in the Bible so often, but there's just something about sharing a meal where it just feels like you're at home and you're at ease and these people's walls can be taken down because it's just you're you're eating together. It's I love it. Totally. And I feel I always think, you know, 
some of the hosting people or gathering people, you're creating safe safe spots. You're like holding space for someone mm-hmm. to be seen and loved. And so I think of that. Our friends have such busy jobs and such like fancy jobs. I'm so impressed by them. And I love the idea that at the uh, you know Thursday night, you're almost done with your crazy work week. Please come to my table where I will feed you and you'll be safe and you don't have to prove anything and you don't have to push. I will create space and protect you. Um, I, I love to be able to, to facilitate that for people. That's great. We are in a supper club mm-hmm. and we have we started out in the beginning probably about three and a half years ago meeting every month. And what we do is whoever is hosting, so whosoever house that it is at, they do 100% of the cooking. Wow. Everyone else just shows up with a bottle of wine. And we do it late around like eight o'clock so people can put kids down and all that kind of stuff. And then we eat and hang out and, you know, whatever. But that person's at, that it's at their house does everything. So, and then we rotate, you know, yeah. there's four couples and we go through a round. Um, but I remember when I, I started the supper club and I remember cause Stacy's question for you is how did you pick these people in this club? And so I remember for me, I chose like three couples that Aaron and I love that we might not get to see very often. So then we could commit to once a month, we're going to see you and we're going to hang out. Um, and at the time, three of us were staff working at different churches around the city. And so it was great for us to come to kind of come together. But Stacy wanted to know, how did you pick your people and not feel as though someone wasn't invited? Does that make sense? Totally. And I, I um, people ask stuff like that all the time. And I would say a couple different things. Certainly, if there had been like a natural, you know, like, you know, there were seven girls and we decided to include six, like right. that's awful, right? <laughs> yeah. It really, it was not like that. It was, um, I invited my two cousins and one of our mutual friends and then my uh, my college roommate. Everybody kind of knew each other, but not well. Yeah. Um, and then I invited my brother's girlfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. So that was our original six. Then the girlfriend moved away. Um, and then uh, there was another woman who it just, it seemed to me like a, maybe a natural fit to invite her. Yeah. Um, and I asked all the girls and, and we talked about it together. Um, but for us, six is a really natural number because six can fit around almost anybody's table, True. any, any bigger than that. And it starts to get, uh, like a big group, mm-hmm. but I would say that's the only like, and it's pretty unusual to have a group of six. That's sort of a closed group yeah. that's been meeting together for so long. Our small group, it, we take it season by season. Um, we just say like, Hey, can you commit to this till June? Yeah. And then over the summer, we're going to talk about it again. And if you want to kind of re-up for one year, you know, we had a couple move away. We had a couple decide that because of the age of their kids, they couldn't do every week, you know. And I think that's a much more – I think our cooking club is really unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really healthy to say, let's walk this season together and then see where we end up a year from now yeah. so that you're not asking people to, like, sign up forever and ever. And that's where things get complicated. Can we add people? Can we not? Can I leave if I uh-huh. want to? Can I not? So keeping it kind of a one a season-by-season season commitment feels uh, a little more realistic. I love the cooking club. That would be – I actually would like that, although I don't love cooking. But I would like it because I do actually enjoy like looking for recipes and then trying it out so it would be a safer spot for me to like display cooking. Totally. And that's, you know, part of the point is we push each other, like try something you would never try, try something your family would never eat. Yeah. A couple of the girls, kids have real significant food allergies. A couple of the husbands are real picky eaters. So we both, we all have a lot of stuff that we don't get to make at our house. Mm -hmm. And this is the like, try it, put tons of peanuts on it, put tons of dairy in it, (laughs) make it super spicy. You know, the stuff we don't get to serve around our normal tables because of our kids or our husbands. And and the, the old, we don't have very many rules, but one of the rules is no practicing 
And even if it's terrible, you have to bring it. Oh, I like that. So it just, it, it's, it's not about showing up with something perfect. It's about showing up having tried. I love that. Let me tell you, my cooking is so bad that sometimes I'll be reading a recipe and there'll be something on it that I don't have. And I'm just like, eh, I, I can't be that important, you know? And then I totally. tell Aaron about it and he's like, you know, you can do that sometimes, but actually it, you really do need this much flour when it calls for this much flour. And I'm like, oh, that's probably the problem. I mean, I'm so bad, Shauna. It's just ridiculous. But so, you, so bad. Just, you just get better by trying. You just, yeah. because now you know, now you know that, okay, flour is not something to mess around with. Right. Or now you know, like, okay, if I don't have flour, I can use almond flour in some situations. I could use cornstarch, but in other ones I couldn't, you know, like yeah. you just, it's just something you learn by, by doing. When you cook, do you mostly just do makeup stuff in your head or do you follow recipes? I do some of each, but I never follow a recipe exactly. Never, 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 never. And that's some of why it's such a challenge, like to get the recipes written and uh-huh. tested for bread and wine and savor. Because I'm literally like, oh, like you could do like a cup, two cups, or a different vegetable entirely. And then like you could do dill, right. like whatever, basil. And they're like, my publishers are staring at me like, that's not a recipe. That's like a stream of consciousness yeah. mumbling. It's like sitting with your grandma when she tells you all her favorite recipes. And she's just totally. like, a little of this, a little of that. Yeah. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. 
Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream is a total chocolate game changer. We start with unbelievably creamy dark chocolate ice cream. Then we add different chocolate treats like chocolate cookies, chocolate cake, or chocolate brownies to make four decadent chocolate flavors. Because sometimes the thing that pairs best with chocolate (laughs) is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. Okay, speaking of bread and wine and savor, um, I loved both of those. Well, I just have your new book out right now, Savor. Um, but bread and wine was so wonderful for me. It's so good. And I have made something out of there. What did you make? Let me see. Oh, the blueberry crisp thing. Yeah, we just had that last night. And it is so wonderful. Well, it's good because it's super easy. Yeah, yeah, super easy. And you can eat it for breakfast and not feel bad. And it's gluten-free. Exactly. And it's vegan. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really good. I'll put a link on the page for that web, that um, recipe. But the book of yours that I just fell in love with is Bittersweet. Really? Oh, my gosh. Now, is this your first or second? Cold Tangerines is the first. Okay. And I have never even read that one. What's wrong with me? <laughs> but, so Bittersweet, maybe I love it so much because it was my first exposure to you as well. But I remember exactly where I read this. I was at a resort in Mexico reading. You know, I, I just love to read by the side of the pool. And I read this book over those couple of days and just cried and laughed. And I cried a lot. I remember that. Um, but it, the, the tagline on your book is Thoughts on Change, Grace, and Learning the Hard Way. And it was just one of those books that I felt was like, it was just like water to my soul. Like, oh, my gosh, she gets where I've been, you know. Aww. I loved it. So thank much. you. Thank you. That was the hardest one to write. So um, I'm always happy to hear. That was it the hardest it. because it was so personal? Um, it was hard for a bunch of reasons. Some of it was because um, that was a hard season to live through. Yeah. So then to write about it was really hard. Like I, I would have much, I actually tried to start bread and wine right after cold tangerines gotcha. and I just couldn't get going. And finally I had to like, Hey, like I, I, I made a promise when I was, a, you know, when I decided to be a writer that I was going to tell the truth about my life no matter what. And there's all this like really icky stuff about my life and about my response to it mm-hmm. that I didn't want to share. And so I realized this is, if you decide to be a truth teller, you don't just get to tell the good stuff. So living it was really hard and then writing about it was hard. And also I think the second of anything is really hard. I think, you know, yeah. you people, everybody has an idea of what the second thing is going to be. And so I struggled more with that book than any other. 
Um, but I think if you've ever been through a season where it just feels like everything in your life is broken down at right. the same time, yep. you know, mm-hmm. it's really, it's so comforting to know you're not the only one that has been through those seasons. I have given this book away. I have loaned mine. I have bought books for people from this book. And just that's just that reason right there. Like when they're either on the other side of that really difficult season or just smack in the middle, I'm like, this is so good. Um, I was looking through my copy this morning and I was like, okay, what do I want to talk to her about? Because I have almost the entire book underlined, but <laughs> this was my, I'm going to read my favorite paragraph in the whole book to you. So okay. I'm sure that you probably don't like listening to your own stuff. <laughs> That's how Aaron feels when he has to listen to his music, but whatever, <laughs> here it is. You say this, when you're mourning, when something terrible has happened, it's on your mind and right at the top of your heart all the time. It's genuinely shocking that the sun is still shining and that people are still chattering away on Good Morning America. Your world has changed utterly, and it feels so incomprehensible that the bus still comes and the people in the cars next to you on the highway just drive along as if nothing's happened. When you're in that place, it's a gift to be asked how you're doing, and most of the time the answer comes tumbling out like water over a broken dam because someone finally asked, finally offered to carry what feels like an unbearable load with you. I could cry right now. Just read like that. That makes me cry because in the midst of when I was reading this, I was walking through such a terrible season and I totally understood what you're talking about. I'm like, I'm dying and everybody else's world just keeps on going. And we've all been there. And in fact, I've been on the side where the world keeps going. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Someone has shared something with you and you remember it for the three days after and you pray for them and then your life just keeps moving and they're still hurting. Um, But I remember thinking that like, Jamie, I want to be someone who continues to ask, you know, Mm -hmm. like, hey, how are you? And really want to know. Oh, well, and I thank you for saying that. But I think you just when you've been through some of those hard seasons, you um, you realize how much you're aching for someone to ask you about it. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm I I learned kind of the hard way, like you learn anything that that um, one of the biggest gifts you can give people is like, I'm, I'm here. Tell me again. Tell me again exactly how it happened. Tell me how it feels today. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, about a year and a half ago, we lost someone in our church. And I remember I was talking to another friend about the the family, his wife and his left here and her little son. And I was like, man, I just, I want to ask her like things about how she's doing, but I'm worried that it might like upset her. You know, we don't want to have to talk about him all the time. And she was like, oh my gosh, she loves to talk about him. Mm -hmm. And it was like, a little like light bulb went off that like, of course she does. Like if my husband died and no one ever asked about him, I would be really sad, you know? And so it was just a reinforcement of that. Like it's in a very like, you know, loving, friendly way. It's okay to meet people right where they are and talk about what they're going through because it makes them feel as though you care. Totally. And it, 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 um, it, yeah, it reminds them that, that, uh, they're not alone in Mm -hmm. it. You know, there's that, that sense. There's something about when you're happy, you see all the happiness in the world, but when your heart is broken, it's all, all you see is other people being happy. Like you feel yes. not just heartbroken, but also really isolated. Mm-hmm. You're like, why is everyone winning the lottery exactly. and getting engaged? Like what is happening in my exactly. life? Yeah. Um, and so anytime we can reach into someone's pain, because it's just so inherently the nature of it makes people feel alone. So the yeah. more you can say like, this is hard for me too, or I felt this too, or I'll just sit with you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really a gift we give people. That's awesome. Okay. So then after you wrote bittersweet, you wrote, um, bread and wine, Mm -hmm. which what was the, like you said, you wanted to write that before. So that's always been something that you knew was going to come out of you. Yeah. You know, bread and wine just felt like, like, I still can't believe like, I just, I just basically said, 
this is exactly the book I want to read. And I don't really care if anybody else wants to. <laughs> That's so great. I'm just endlessly, I could read about food and what people eat and why and what they serve with what and the story of, I could just read that forever. Um, and then I always love to hear about people's faith stories. And specifically, how does the fact that you're a person of faith make a difference in the way that you live day to day? How does it make a difference in your difference in your house, around your table, with your friends, at your kids' school? Like, not I'm not a big idea person. I'm a like on the ground. How does this work, right, person? And right. so, um, bread and wine was just the. It felt like playing to get to work on that. Oh, it was so good. And I mean, if you if you haven't seen this book that Shauna, it's full of recipes, which is really really awesome. Um, and the stories, I mean, I felt like it was the perfect follow-up also to bittersweet even. I mean, the way that I felt like some of the stuff you wrote about was like almost kind of closure from where mm -hmm. we left off in the book mm -hmm. before. And so I was like, oh, this is so happy, you know, um, really, really good. Okay. So then it leads us to your next book, Savor, mm -hmm. which just came out and it's, would you call it a book? What, what do we call it? Yeah, this? it's a devotional. Yeah. Devotional book. Yeah. 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 So yeah. once again, this seems so off from your other books. What, what happened here? Um, it, uh, the and I team, mean off, but not off, but I mean like it's a devotional and the other books right. are books. Yeah. Right. Um, at the team that I work with had come to me at several points over the last couple of years, um, wanting to do this. And I, I shied away from it, um, initially because I don't generally think, uh, well, I don't think of myself as like a super devotional person. Um, and, uh, I don't tend to think, I, I don't think the fullness of our spiritual life happens alone with like a book and a Bible. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, um, I think that spiritual life is happening all the time. It happens when we talk and when we pray and when we laugh and when we serve each other around the table and when we play with our kids. And, you know, I, I think the spiritual life is so much broader than the devotional practice. But what happened is I got into this season of my life about two and a half years ago where um, I, I, I felt like everything was kind of falling apart and I didn't, I, I didn't like the person I was becoming anymore. And I thought it was about being too busy and it was, but I, it, uh, it was also about having walked away from the practice of morning prayers and devotions. Uh -huh. um, in my busyness, a whole bunch of things that I used to do, I stopped doing. And um, I stopped beginning my morning with kind of centering prayer or like meditative prayer. You know, God's love for me is unconditional. There's nothing I can do today to earn more love. There's nothing I can do to screw up his love, you know. Yeah. Um, and that practice of starting the day either with a word or a verse really helped me get back to the person I want to be and that I believe God wants me to be. And so this time around when they came back to talk about a devotional, I was like, you know what? I I am, yeah. I am all about devotionals. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think it, it just was a personal thing for me that I, it, it became a really valuable uh, part of my private life as a Christian. And yeah. so it was one I was excited to work on. And in, two, and in true Shauna form, it's full of recipes. Yeah. Because again, my only little hang up was yeah. I just don't believe, I, I don't ever want to communicate to people that like, you're a super good Christian as long as you do this every day or, yeah. or like, the real spiritual people spend a lot of time being quiet. The real spiritual people spend time being quiet and in community and serving. And you know what I mean? Like right. it's, I, I always want to be talking about a, a kind of a vision for faith that's so much broader than that. And so I said, the recipes are essentially a reminder that spiritual life happens around your table in the same way it happens alone with a book. And so every time you hit a recipe, ask yourself, 
When was the last time I gathered my people around the table? When was the last time I served them and made space for them and looked them in the eye and listened to their stories in an unhurried way? So that's what the recipes are for. They're reminders that spiritual life doesn't just happen with the book. It happens around the table and on the running trail and and a million other places. Oh, for sure. I love it. Erin and I, we've been in a really busy season right now. And I'll tell you one thing that's given away and hasn't been happening is having people around the table and we can both feel it. Like we can sense it that this, this needs to be back quickly, mm-hmm. you know, um, very quickly or else we're just going to lose our minds. Um, this sounds, you know, I went on a trip to the Uganda to Sarah with Sarah Harmeyer. Yeah. Um, and she, everything you're saying, like we got to chat and she's just like you, like yes, people table, hear people's stories, listen to them. And she does that so well. Um, and y'all are both onto something. It's great. So getting people around the table is where so much life happens and so much like safety and release and so much stuff can go on right there. I love it. Totally. Well, and what's, what's fun about Sarah and I, sorry to interrupt, but fun about Sarah and I is, um, we worked at summer camp together. She told me that. So we're like, like now as grownups, we're like, totally passionate about the same kinds of things. And people are always trying to introduce us. They're like, you know who you should meet? Right. <laughs> Sarah like, Armeyer. Uh, and I'm like, time. I slept on the top bunk <laughs> with Sarah on the bottom bunk for years. <laughs> like, so I, like I know so much. And it was so, but I love how that happens in life. I love how, um, you know, when she was the athletic, athletic director and I was the program director of this little summer camp, um, we built all this history and now 20 years later, you know, I got to be around her table and, and, and kind of, I I get to, uh, help tell her story. And I love getting to do that. I think it's amazing. I love, I love what she's doing. It's called the neighbor's table. It's so great. Go look it up. Neighbor's table. Yeah. Neighbor's table. So good. We we chatted a lot about it and I was just like, Oh, I love this. I want to soak this up. I think I worked at the same little camp that y'all worked at. At Canacook? Yep. You're kidding. K-Country. No way. Mm -hmm. Oh. I was there in uh, la, 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 2000. Okay. Yeah, we were just before that. Yep. It was my last summer. I was actually still in college, but I had one more year. It took me a little bit longer than most people, but it was my last summer before I got married. And I say all the time, I wish I would have started working there years before. I mm-hmm. loved being a camp counselor. So fun. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. It was my favorite job ever. My, It was one of mine too. Mm-hmm. Right behind podcasting, which... There Brings me go. to this, Shauna. Yeah. Relevant podcast. <laughs> yeah. Do you love it? I do. I totally do. It's the weirdest thing. Um, but they're so great. And they have really become good friends of mine. They're, they're um, you know, they're great. They have totally become like, yeah. I my, love it. My pals across the country. They're so great. I listen to that podcast um, often, especially on road trips. Aaron and I will listen to it just back to back. And we end up, we're just cracking up in the beginning. Don't it, you think Jesse is just the funniest living human? It's hilarious. I don't even understand it. Hilarious. I mm-hmm. mean, they just crack me up. And I was telling someone about the show and they're like, well, what do they talk about? And I was like, I, I, I don't. I can't tell you what they were talking about, but it was hilarious. I don't know what it was, but it was so funny. Just the beginning part where we all just banter back and forth. It's yeah. so funny. Well, and what's so funny about it is, so I worked with them. Cameron's a good friend and I'd worked with them doing some editing stuff. And then he called on a Tuesday afternoon and was like, Hey, I've got this question for you. I'm sorry. It took me so long to call, but um, I was wondering if you go, you would want to be on our podcast. It's on Wednesday morning. And I'm like, Oh, totally. That would be so fun. Yeah. I had never listened to it ever. And I totally <laughs> thought he meant, 
one Wednesday. <laughs> like as a like guest. I, I was like, right, oh, wait yeah. a minute. Now forever? <laughs> what? <laughs> like I don't – and for a while, like I couldn't tell the guy's voices apart. It's easier now because it's video. Uh-huh. But I mean I, I, I felt like I was like uh, just a ball of stress the first several times we did it because I don't know their jokes and they're all right. inside weirdo jokes and I can't tell their voices apart. <laughs> and Eddie hilarious. would just go, Shauna, Shauna, are you still there? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. I, I actually went and looked everybody up after watching it for a couple mm-hmm. times, and then it helped me almost to know what they look like while I was totally. listening, if that makes sense. Yes, it's sometimes definitely. hard when you're listening to someone. You have no idea what they look like, and so then it helps when you know what they look like. Definitely, yeah. yes. Someone at the IF gathering, someone came up to me, and they're like, my sister says she just saw you on the stage, and she listens to your podcast, and you look nothing like what she thought. And I was like... I don't know what that means, but thanks. <laughs> I totally. Don't know. But yeah. So I love the Relevant Podcast. So fun. Oh, thank you. I think they're great. I think oh, they're funny guys. So fun. Shauna, one thing that you and um, your family does really well is vacation together, which yes. I love. Aaron and I also love to vacation and love taking our kids to different places. Um, was that a value that you had before you got married? Yeah, it's a value that my parents um, – started when we were pretty little. Um, and, uh, you know, they, my parents started a church the year I was born and things were very busy and things were moving very quickly. Um, and there were a couple families in the church sort of like, and my dad lost his dad in his, when my dad was in his twenties. And so there were a couple kind of grandpa aged men, um, who encouraged my dad, like, you've got to, you've got to start getting away. You can't work this many hours. You've got to, you know, and so, but we had no money. And, um, and so we would drive up to my grand, my grandma had this little cottage on Lake Michigan and we would all stay with my grandma. Um, and then when we got just a tiny little bit of money, we would rent the cottage across the street and then the cottage down the lane. And I mean, I think we rented one for, I mean, my whole childhood, probably more than 10 years. Um, it had two bedrooms. It had no phone. It had no TV. Um, if someone from the church needed my dad, they would call my grandma and she would run down the street, this little gravel road. Um, and we, my parents, my dad would study in the mornings while we were sleeping. He would go to the, I think the Burger King or something he had all his books in the back of his car. And then he would come back to the house in time for us to be up eating breakfast. And we would just play together on the, in the lake all day long. That's it. Just us. There weren't church people coming. There weren't friends coming. It wasn't like this huge extended family thing. It was just the four of us for hours and hours and hours. And, um, and so I grew up doing that. I grew up doing Christmas and spring break and summertime. Um, just the four of us very intentionally going back to the same places each time. Um, and so that makes sense to me. I feel like, you know, I know a lot of pastors, kids who are not wild about the way they grew up. Um, and my brother and I are both, I mean, we both, my brother works at the church. I teach there. Uh Um, we, he and I live on the same street. We're neighbors. Um, we see my parents constantly. And a lot of times we were like, how did this happen? Yeah. Um, and I think, um, things were busy a, a lot of the time, but when we were away as a family, we were away and right. we felt, we felt totally like the priority. So I think we value it because we really needed it and it really served us well. So it's something, you know, our, our lives now, Aaron and mine, it is busy and we travel for work and we have irregular schedules and we sometimes work nights and weekends. And so what we can do to make sure our kids know that they're our number one priority is make sure we're getting away often enough uh, from all that to Mm -hmm. be with only them. And and that's really, really important to us. It's, and everyone that's listening, this applies to all of us, but I think a lot about like people who work in 
in ministry. You and I both know that world. And so it, it can become consuming. It can become, if you let it to where, like when you said, if they want to get a hold of your dad, they couldn't, you know, and last summer, Aaron took a sabbatical and it was, it was the best summer, summer of our marriage. It was the best summer of our parenting. He was just unplugged from everything. And we took our kids on a vacation to, and we spent the week at a lake in, in Tennessee. And I look back and it was just the most wonderful experience for everybody because we really just let work go and just yep. really focused on our family and our kids. And, and so we're doing that again this summer and he's not on sabbatical by any means, but it really set a precedent for like, what does this week need to look like? You know, totally. Well, and I think, you know, a lot of us, uh, people who are in ministry, um, it's easy to look at other people and be like, wow, they're working a lot. Like, oh, he's, <laughs> he's sure working a lot building that business or, oh, that lawyer is sure building a lot of hours. But because it feels like so, it's so connected, you know, to our calling and our identity and, and we feel like we're doing God's work, it's very easy to overvalue that. And, and it's helpful sometimes to just say like, yeah, I believe in it. I believe God uses it. And I also believe it does not rise and fall on me. Mm. And, and that if I don't do it for a week, nothing falls apart. And right. so, um, the other thing I would, would say, and it sounds like you guys are doing such a good job of this, but especially for some of my friends who kind of ended up as pastor's wives, like they didn't totally see right. that coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, I always tell them totally forget about normal weekends and holidays. That's just never going to exist for you as long as you're married to a pastor. Right. Your weekends are going to be totally different. Your holidays are just going to be like completely different. So make your family rhythm one that works for you outside of that. Yeah. Like Easter Sunday is never going to be a good relaxing sleep in morning for right. you. Never. But, you know, maybe Wednesday is, you yeah. know, we, we go out to lunch on Wednesdays or we do this or we, you know, you can, you have to make up your own rhythm that works because if not, you'll end up just, um, you know, your husband will be at work all the time and you'll just be at home going, what happened to our holidays? And you'll you know? be better, you know? Yeah. And he's like, but I have to work. And yeah, we have experienced that so much. And when Aaron leads worship here on Sundays, he, he's gone all day. Yeah. And so that's four, you know, four all day, which means on Saturday night, we're like old people in bed by nine, no lie. Like nine o'clock we're in bed. Totally. And so we don't get the Saturday night fun, but we can stay out late on Friday night. You know, totally. um, yeah. And then my kids get out of school early on Fridays, so our family time starts a lot earlier on Fridays than it normally does for other people. So you're right; we make those adjustments because we don't have Sundays. Yep. Yep. It just changes. Totally. And as as long as you get ahead of that and make a plan that works for you, um, I think it can be a really great way to live. Yeah. Okay. This brings me to this. Jennifer Baker asked this question. She said she's interested in how you balance and pursue your purpose and passions with your family. Like, how do you balance that out? Basically, she's probably asking, how do you balance your career and motherhood? Mm -hmm. um, I would say I do it different in every season. Um, I Kids change so much year to year, and what they need changes year to year, and what I need changes year to year. Um, and then I would also say, like, I, I um, part of what makes it work for us is we have four super involved grandparents. Oh, yeah. Um, like, my parents are two miles away. Aaron's parents are, like, ten miles away. All four of them are super involved with our kids. My brother is, his brother and si brothers and sisters are. So we have like kind of, we have a deep bench <laughs> when yep. it comes. Um, there's, a, 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 there's a really kind of a total village of people who are really connected to our kids and that really helps us. Um, and then the other thing I would say is I work a lot less now than I hope to work when they're older. Um, I work and it changes week to week with yeah. the writing and the speaking. And I, I was actually trying to quantify. Someone asked me, 
you work full time? And I was like, well, yeah, I think so. Maybe. They were like, they were like, like 40 hours. I was like, oh, like I have no idea. Right. Um, but uh, I know that I, uh, I think there will be a time when I'm able to work a lot more and write a lot faster and do a lot of different projects. And right now my work time is very much confined to when my kids are at school and then a couple other things outside of that. And that feels great to me. And so I would say, um, yeah, uh, it's different every year. Yeah. I have a lot of support and um, I there will be a time when work can have more space in my life, but I love that it doesn't right now. Yeah, that's great. I would say the same thing. My, I had all of my kids in school starting last year. My youngest mm-hmm. is in first grade mm-hmm. and that just changed everything for me because I went into a new season. I went yep. into a new season of all kids at school and I would say that it changed the balance a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, for the for the better for me, I got to work more. So yeah, it's just every season's different. And you know, there's a lot of stuff I don't do because I work so much. Yeah, you know, like when my girlfriends get together for long lunches or that kind of or like midday play dates uh-huh. or I don't I don't really do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I have to do it in other ways, and I stay connected in other ways. But when the kids are at school, it's go time for me, yeah. and that's great. I love that. Yeah. Um, but you know, like we don't live in an enormous house that I'm like filling with antiques that I refurbish. We live in like a super. <laughs> normal house. And I just, you know, try to keep it basically, you know, things not broken, you know? Right. So you just, you kind of make the sacrifices for, uh, there's only a certain amount of time. And so yeah. I can't think of the last time I was at the mall. Um, right. but that's fine with me that's because okay. I love my job. And so I had maybe three hours yesterday unexpectedly and I worked because I love my work and I, and I want to use my time well. So yeah. Um, I would say everybody does it differently, but if you love your work, it makes it a lot easier to get it done, you know? That's for sure. And especially, I mean, if it's your passion, hopefully you love it, right? Yeah. <laughs> that would be weird if you didn't. Right. And it was your passion. <laughs> um, okay. Caroline Tigner, she asked this. She said, I would love to know a few of her must-have kitchen utensils or cookware. Oh, okay. Well, um, I'm a huge fan of Le Creuset. Um, like yeah. Dutch ovens. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. I really do think, um, you just need one big Dutch oven. You don't need every single piece of theirs. Right. Um, and I am kind of a kitchen minimalist. I don't have a million gadgets and every time one breaks and I throw it out, I tend to not replace it. So I would say the Dutch oven, the Le Creuset or another one, I do use a cast iron. I have a 10 inch cast iron pan that I use a lot. Uh-huh. Um, I have a 10 inch Wusthof, uh, chef's knife. That is like my number one go-to. Yeah. And I only have, I have a 10 inch Chef's knife, a serrated knife, and a paring knife. That's it. Yeah. It's the only thing I use. Um, I don't use my garlic press anymore. I don't use like I um I try and keep things really, really simple. I'm trying to think if there's anything. Oh, I love the uh Epicurean cutting boards. I those are my favorite. They don't split, they're not, you know. Um, so those are a, a new favorite of mine. It sounds like when I think about our kitchen, which is where my husband lives most of the time. Ours is very minimalist too. Like everything that I ever ordered from Pampered Chef years ago never gets used. Yeah. Which they're great yeah. stuff. But when you said garlic press, I was like, oh yeah, we have one of those. I've never, ever seen Aaron use it ever. Yep. Yep. You know, and I, so some of it too is I'm, I'm trying to live with a lot less stuff. And so I'm always going through our kitchen going, what could I get out of these cabinets? What don't I need here? What, you know, and like, I don't bake a ton, so uh-huh. I don't need a million different baking things. Yeah. I don't need a sifter or a whatever, whatever. Right. I just, that I'm, you know, if you just cook as opposed to bake, there's a whole bunch of things you don't need. But then, you know, like my friend Margaret can make like wedding cakes. She has a whole bunch of stuff that, that she has to have that I don't need. So but I think kitchens work best when they have just just, just exactly what, what you, you need. need. Yeah. 
And Aaron and I, when he cooks, I'm the dishwasher. So like, yes. we can keep things moving because, you know, yep. you'll need it again after you used it. That's for sure. Totally. And that's how Aaron and I are too. Aaron does all the dishes in our house, which is amazing. It is amazing. But one of the things we're moving toward more and more is I keep getting rid of things that aren't dishwasher safe because we have people over so often that I just don't ever want to be like, oh, I'm sorry, that doesn't go in. Oh, right. that can't go in. Like whatever. <laughs> just, you know, so things are getting less and less fancy as the more we break like the, the wine glasses with the stems, yep. the more we buy just juice glasses, yep, you know, exactly. We just because little bitty Mason jar things. Yeah, That's totally for a glass of wine. Yep. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Um, I'm like that too. I do all the dishes because Aaron cooks. And so it works out. So That's the marvelous. perfect plan. Yep. Yes. And I love what he eats. And so we're good to go. Perfect. There's a moment you realize you're ready for what's next in your career. Maybe it's when you're trying a new scone recipe and think I could open a cafe or maybe you're helping a coworker and say, I could teach a course on this. Whatever your moment is, it's never too early to plan for a career that lives longer. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. For skills training, resume tips, and job listings, visit aarp.org work. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Um, Shauna, what are you reading these days? Uh, let's see. What am I reading? Oh, I just read that really interesting. Is it the John Ronson book? Uh, so you've been publicly shamed. I don't know about this. Oh, it's really, really interesting. It's uh, essentially about how... Um, you know, people used to do public shamings, like in the era of the Scarlet Letter. Right. And now essentially through the internet, we're doing them again. You can ruin someone's career on the internet in the blink of an eye, uh, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and that, that maybe Twitter especially has a power we don't yet know how to wield well. Huh. Um, you know, it was a very interesting book, very well written. I really, really liked it. Um, uh, Rachel Held Evans, Searching for Sunday, okay. I think is her absolutely her best book yet, and I really, really liked it. And that's a uh, new one, right? Just came yeah, out. Yeah, just came out. Okay. I really liked it. Um, oh, let's see. Or what are you dying to read next? Anything – what's on your well, shelf? Well, the next one, is it David Brooks? I think a journalist wrote a, a, a book called The Road to Character, uh -huh. and I'm excited to read that. Now I'm just – I'm going on my Kindle and see what – seeing know. what. Yeah. Oh, I'm still reading a book called Hemingway's Boat that I think I'm just I love Kenny, uh, Hemingway and I, oh um, Eric Larson's Dead Wake. Mm -hmm. I really like him. I like you know he wrote like Devil in the White City and a couple others. I think he's a great writer. Um, I'm reading the Pope's new book, Walking with Jesus. I just I think he's I, I like his ideas. I'm very fascinated by Pope Francis. Yes. Do uh, you read a lot of books at one time? I'm, I'm I do. I'm sensing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Totally. Um, yes. Your brain can handle that. Yeah, and I read a lot. I oh, I just read Gretchen Rubin's Better Than Before about habits, and it had a couple ideas that really stuck with me about kind of the the one of the essentially in a, in a nutshell one of the ways to understand how to keep meaningful habits is by understanding what kind of habit keeper you are, okay. um, an upholder, an obliger, a questioner, or a rebel. 
You know, so like depending on your personality type, there are certain ways of, of making and keeping habits that'll be mean, meaningful to you. I thought it was a very interesting book. I okay. like that a lot. Yeah. I need that because sometimes I do not keep my, – my habits do not last. Yes. I'm the same way. So. Yeah. 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 Um, when do you read? You said you read a lot. Um, well, I read when I travel. Like yes. when I'm when I'm uh-huh. uh, flying alone, I read a lot. I read every night too though. I, so I read – So you're the get in bed and read kind of person? Every single night. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I want to be that. Our TV broke in our bedroom, which they say you shouldn't have a TV in your bedroom anyways. Right. But it recently broke. And so I am reading a lot more at night. Yeah. And, you know, we go through phases where, where we'll, like, watch a show yeah. on a laptop, uh, you know, uh-huh. in bed. But um, we both always say, like, that's, you know, like, that's that's just for when House of Cards comes out. Right. <laughs> and then we're back to reading in bed. Yes. Um, I just, I love it. Reading it. And reading is, to- like, um, I wish I was the kind of person where, like, running was total medicine for me. Uh-huh. It's not like I hate it. I make myself do it. But but reading totally is. Like, I love it. If you said, okay, right now you have an hour, what I, w- I would probably do other stuff, but what I would want to do is read. Is read. Totally. I, I love to read too. And I love to read like on vacation. Like for me, the best dream vacation is just on a beach with a book and a margarita. And Absolutely. then I, yes. I can be a week for a week there and never leave. Oh yeah. When people talk about like zip lining through rainforests, I'm like, that sounds fun. I would like to bring my books and just show me a little spot of the sun. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, I'm a one book at a time kind of person. My brain can't handle too much. And so I'm reading a book called from Jillian Lauren called um, Everything You Ever Wanted. Yes. Yes. I just downloaded that. I read her other book and I liked it. Did you read Some Girls or Pretty? Yes. Some Girls. Oh, I loved that book. Yeah. That was great. She, I love her writing. And um, so this book, Everything You Ever Wanted, is a memoir about her parenting. And she and her husband, Scott, adopted a little baby from Ethiopia. Yeah. And so it's just the journey through that. And it is really, really good. And like just how Jillian is, it's very raw, very real, very truthful, hmm. um, which I appreciate that. Like you said, totally. if you're going to be a truth teller, you got to tell it all. And so I'm really enjoying it. I'm almost done with it. I read the, almost the whole thing on the plane yesterday, so it was wonderful. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. That's a good reminder for me. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, okay, before we go, I want to ask you this. We were at, in Washington, D.C. this weekend, and we – like you said, we ate so much food. We just sat around the table so much and it was so wonderful. But one of the questions I asked, I'm like the dumb person that comes up with questions around the table. Um, one of the questions I asked everyone on the table was if you could only vacation to one spot for the rest of your life, like you got to go there every year, Mm -hmm. you didn't go anywhere else. And this is where you spent your vacation until you died. Where would it be? Oh, I know exactly where it would be. It would be the North sound of Virgin Gorda in the British Virgin Islands. Wow. It, it is like just my favorite place. Uh, my parents have been going there forever. They started taking Todd and I when we were little. We go every couple years. We've totally like, you know, uh, I went there when I was three and when I was six. And when Aaron and I were dating, we were yeah. just there at Christmas. So um, and we, so we kind of do that. We're like people who pick a place and then go there forever. Right. Um, and it has the most perfect weather. Like it, it like some days it's 78, but some days it's 79. It's like that. Okay. And what it's island just, is this? The island is Virgin Gorda. Okay. Um, in the British Virgin Islands, so you fly into Tortola uh-huh. and you take a ferry over to the Virgin Island to Virgin Gorda, and there's a couple little funny little resorts and little beach bars, and it is just my total number one favorite place on earth. Okay, I'll tell you, this is really close to you. I didn't even think about this, but Aaron and I we're going there again this summer, and we've been there a couple times before. We go to St. John's. And oh we, yeah, yeah, right around, right across the way. Absolutely, so close. So we've actually been to somewhere 
some British Virgin Island because we had to bring our passport one day on a boat and we went to a beach over there. And yes. everything out there is, you're right, it is dreamy. And St. John's, I, I mean, it sounds like what you're describing. It's not well populated, yeah. which is fabulous. Yeah. Um, which everyone listening, I always want to be like, don't go there ever. I know, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but we fly into St. Thomas, which is way more touristy. And yeah. then head over to St. John's. And it is, we literally could spend a long time there. It yeah. is wonderful. Well, and I'm a water person. Like I yeah. just, the the water and, and boats and the salty air, I mean, that's just the deal for me. Yeah, I love it too. I could spend my life on a beach with a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> Shauna, thank you so much for coming on my show today. Oh, my pleasure. So good to talk with you, Jamie. So great to talk with you. And um, we're going to give away two books, two saver books. Wonderful. I know. So I'm excited. It's really easy. Just go to jamieivy.com and leave a comment and then I'll pick a winner in a week. And I told Aaron when I got this book in the mail, I was like, the thing that I also love about this book is it looks so beautiful sitting out. I know they did such a good job and I can, I mean, I can brag on it because I had nothing to do with it. This team made such a beautiful physical copy. They did such a good job. It is beautiful. It's like a beautiful coffee table book. It's what you want people Mm -hmm. to see. So they did a great job. I totally agree. I will pass that on to Uh, them. Are you working on anything else right now? I am. Um, I've got a couple more months till I need to be done with the first draft of this newest book called Present Over Perfect. Ah, and is it about being present over being a perfect whatever? It is. It is exactly that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's exactly kind of what I've been trying to get the hang of like the last two years or so. So Uh it's very personal, very right where I am. Very, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Well, I remember when we chatted at the If Gathering, uh, you told a story that I have not forgotten since then when you were asking one of your sons, Mm -hmm. you're like on the floor with him playing with Legos, and you're like, do you love it when we do this or go out to eat or da da da? And he's like, I just love it when we do this. Totally. And I have remembered that ever since. And I've thought that is, that's being present over perfect right there. Yep. Yep. We're working on it. We're, we're learning, you know, but yeah. So it's, it's, I'm, it, uh, I always write books that I, about things I don't yet understand, you know? Yeah. So, Cause you journey through it. Yeah. So I'm really excited to learn through this one. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I'll be excited to, to read it cause I love your work. So I'm a huge Thank fan. Thank you. It's great you to do. talk to you. It's Thanks. so wonderful. Thanks for coming on. Yep. I'll talk to you soon. Guys, wasn't Shauna just amazing? I love her so much, and and I wasn't kidding when I said that I was so excited to have her because I am such a fan of her writing. Her book, Bittersweet, is just holds a special place in my heart. Bread and wine as well with amazing recipes. If you're looking for that blueberry crisp recipe that we talked about, I have it on my blog. It's jamieivy.com. Actually, anything we talked about, any link, any book, anything is over at jamieivy.com. You can check it out. I also said I was going to give you away two copies of Savor, which is Shauna's new devotional, which is beautiful inside and out. And I'm going to do this a little different than I think I mentioned in the show. I'm going to give it away over on Instagram. So go find me on Instagram at jamieivy, um, and then I'll tell you how you can enter to win. You can tell some friends about it, and I'll pick two winners, and then you'll get your new devotional in the book. I mean, you'll get your new devotional in the mail. Guys, when Shauna said, when was the last time I gathered my people around the table and listened to their stories in an unhurried way? I was so just compelled to to want to do that more often, to not just have people over, but to sit and listen and to sit and really take in what they're saying. So I hope that encourages you. I'd love to hear it. Are you in a supper club? Are you in a cooking club? 
Um, do you value this? Let me know anything about this conversation. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. You can leave a comment on my blog, jamieivy.com, or you can find me on Twitter. It's at Jamie underscore Ivy. I love when you tweet me as you're listening. It's so fun. Or leave me a comment on Instagram at Jamie Ivy. I, I like to talk with people on both of those ways. So come find me. Guys, thanks for listening so much. I want to say thank you to Lisa Adams. She said, I'm not sure how I missed this podcast for my weekly listening pleasure. Each week you get to meet some of the most incredible women and feel like you are having coffee with them. I swear I talk back to them like I am there. This podcast shares so many passions and interests. It's hard to find an episode you don't love. Lisa, thank you so much. I really enjoy your comments, and it is. That's what I feel about the happy hour. It's so fun for me as well to do this. Guys, thanks for listening, and have a good week, and I will see you next week. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.